0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today.
1: This week as I was doing my devotions, I came across the following devotion by Charles Spurgeon. I'm going to take a minute to read it because it just really sums up that high calling that we have. Um, he talks about how we are Christ and what that means. And he focuses on three words in 1 Corinthians 3.23, ye are Christ. And he says, You are his by, no, by donation, for the Father gave you to the Son, by his by his bloody purchase, for he counted down the price for your redemption, his by dedication, for you have consecrated yourself to him. His by relation, for you name named by his name and made one of his brethren and joint heirs. Labor practically to show the world that you are the servant, the friend, the bride of Jesus. When tempted to sin, reply, I cannot do this great wickedness, for I am Christ. Immortal principles forbid the friend of Christ to sin. When wealth is before you to be won by sin, say that you are Christ's and touch it not. Are you exposed to difficulties and dangers? Stand fast in the evil day, remembering that you are Christ's. Are you placed where others are sitting down idly doing nothing? Rise to the work with all your powers. And when the sweat stands upon your brow, and you are tempted to loiter, cry, No, I cannot stop, for I am Christ. If I were not purchased by blood, I might be like Issachar, crouching down between two burdens. But I am Christ and cannot loiter. When the siren song of pleasure should tempt you from the path of right, reply, Thy music cannot charm me. I am Christ. When the cause of God invites thee, give thy goods and thyself away, for thou art Christ. Never belie thy profession. Be thou ever one of those whose manners are Christian, that all who see you may know that you are the Savior's, recognizing in you his features of love, his countenance of holiness. I am Roman was a reason, an old reason for integrity, far more than let, us, let it be your argument for holiness. I am Christ. Yes, we are Christ, and we have such a high calling, one according to which we must live if we are to carry the name of Christians. So I believe that the Lord has led me to continue last week's lesson, specifically expanding on those things that hinder us from living according to that high calling we have in Jesus Christ, and even more importantly, how to overcome those hindrances. We talked about five specific hindrances, the hindrance of unrepentant sin, the hindrance of A lack of Bible study and meditation, the hindrance of lack of prayer, the hindrance of not fellowshipping with other believers, the hindrance of listening to bad and false doctrine. As time permits, we're going to look at those as well as what we can do to remove those hindrances and replace it with a help. So if you're there in Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again I stand before you and before your people. Lord, I'm humbled at the opportunity that you've given me. And Lord, I just pray that you will help me to share what you've put on my heart, the areas that you put a finger on in my life that need to change. Pray that you will speak through me. Please fill me, Lord, with your spirit so that what I say will be exactly what you would want me to say. The world needs Christians that live according to the high calling, Lord, and I just pray that this will be help to those of us who try to do that, Lord, and I just pray that you would just, that you would have me to say. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you for all you are. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So as we look at those verses that, that we just read, believe that they hold the key to getting the hindrances out of the way as we run the race yes we have to be focused and keeping our eyes on the prize but we must also be on the lookout looking circumspectly for those things that are going to run contrary to the race that we're running see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This goes along so well with Pastor's message from last Sunday. We must allow the Spirit to control our lives. and The controlling of the Spirit is hindered by all of those things we discussed last week. We must be wise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. But if we're hindered by those things, we're not going to receive clear direction for His will. Before we get into those hindrances, I just want to say a couple of things. First, I'm standing here on the authority of God's word, not on my own experience. I don't have this all figured out in my own life, which is why I find it so powerful. These are things that the Lord's showing me, areas that I need to grow in myself. Second, as we go through these, you're gonna see that they're very closely intertwined. All of them relate to each other, and. And that created a lot of difficulty for me as I was preparing this lesson because i like to have kind of a clear point, point, point kind of thing. And it, it really isn't that way um, because each point is so closely related and inter- interdependent on the others. So I'm going to trust the Lord will help with clarity as I, as I bring this to you. The first hindrance we talked about last week was living in unrepentant sin. So we must get the sin out of our lives. And the first step that I found to get the sin out of our lives is to recognize the presence of sin in our flesh. So many times I think we spend too much time justifying our sin as this is just who I am or I act this way because of the way I was raised and so on and so on. We have all these excuses for the sins and the things that we do that are not in the will of God. We've got to recognize that sin in our lives for what it is and stop making excuses for it. Sin's wicked, no matter what the rationale we have for holding on to it. If we're having trouble recognizing the sin in our lives, we can pray with David as he prayed in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Don't deceive yourself about how good you are. If you're alive, there's sin there. And another, uh, just an interesting thing I've noticed is this. The more that you recognize and remove sin in your life, the more the Spirit is free to control you. And And in the controlling, the Spirit will put His finger on more sin. The more subtle, hidden sins in your life. And the more you root those sins out, the more the Spirit controls you. And the more sin He makes known to you, allowing you to even be more controlled by Him. It becomes a cycle of increasing holiness. It's, like you, it's likely you've witnessed the same thing, if not for yourself in your own life. You've seen how those who seem to really have it together and those that, are, that, that you would point out as being walking closely with the Lord, those are often the, the ones that are most broken over their sin. As we remove the sin in our lives, the more sensitive we become to it. And the more we realize how wicked sin is, the more we begin to see it from God's perspective. In 1 Kings eight thirty-eight, Solomon prays as part of his dedication of the temple. What prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart and spread forth his hands toward this house. He wants the Lord to show each person the sin that is in his own heart so too this should be our desire. Our hearts are plagued with sin, and our desire should be for the Lord to be continually showing us sin as us, so we can root it out. Paul in Ephesians 4.22 prays for us to put off the sinful way of living of the old man. He says, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Paul recognizes that the old man the conversation of the old man, that way of living of the old man is put off and we can get back up again. We must live as though the old man is dead because he is instead of dragging the weight of sin of the old man along in our lives. So the first thing that we have to do is just recognize that there is sin in our lives. There's sin in our flesh. That's the first thing we have to do, it's the first step towards getting it out. The next step is to turn away from our sin with sorrow and true repentance confessing our wrong and purposing to sin no more this is the word of Jesus to the woman caught in adultery Jesus asks her hath no man condemned thee and in John 8, 11 she said no man Lord and Jesus said unto her condemn thee go and sin no more this is the command of Jesus to the sinner it's great to be sorry for your sins but do not continue only sorrowing in them repent and sin no more now this is another this is an area where things become really closely intertwined how is it that we're to sin no more we know that no man is perfect this side of heaven but Jesus says go and sin no more I believe he really truly expects us to do just that once a sin has been pointed out to us by the Spirit And we are brought with a sorrowful broken heart to the feet of Jesus his command is to go and sin no more but from what we know of him we know that he will not give a command without providing a way to follow it first Corinthians 10 13 says there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. The promise here is that we are always provided with a way to escape any temptation that Satan throws our way. So I really believe there's only two reasons that we sin. The first is that we just want to, meaning that we're placing our fleshly desires above Christ. We're putting those desires on the throne of our lives, above the, uh, ahead of the Lord of Lords. The second reason that we sin is that we're not walking circumspectly, looking for the, for the way to escape. We may not necessarily desire to sin, but we're failing to actively look for a way to escape, so we fall into it by default. I believe that living a life free from sin takes effort on our part. God provides the way to escape, but we have to be looking for it. We have to desire to take it, and then we have to take it. So we have to recognize our sin, and then second, we have to turn from our sin with sorrow and true repentance. The The next step in the process of getting sin out of our lives is to have our hearts fixed on God. In order for us to get the sin out of our lives, we have to be aware of and fixed on God this allows us in some small measure to see our sin for what it is an atrocious affront to a holy God again with David we can pray as he did in Psalm 57 7 said my heart is fixed O God my heart is fixed I will sing and give praise David's asking and he's purposing to have his heart fixed on God he prays that his undivided attention be fixed on God so too we must have God as the focal point of our lives We must pray continually that we stay focused on him in this world of many distractions we need more than ever to have a singleness of purpose to run the race with our eyes on the prize by keeping our focus on him we minimize the avenues of temptation and he helps us to keep from sin Another benefit of having our heart fixed on God and seeing our sin through his eyes is that we are thus encouraged to keep repenting of our sin. When we're fixed on God and his holiness, each time the Spirit touches on and points out a before unnoticed sin, when we're focused on God, we react with abhorrence to that sin. That's the natural reaction of one whose heart is fixed on God. It's natural when we're fixed on God to be repulsed by the sin in our lives. David was a man after God's own heart, yet he sinned gravely. In Psalm 51, we read his response when confronted by the prophet Nathan. He said, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I have acknowledged my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Here we can see that David's following what we've just been talking about. He recognizes the sin in his flesh. I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. He confesses his sins and speaks of his repentance. He says, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity me for my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. The whole psalm shows his renewed focus on the Lord. Have mercy on me, O God. And then again, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. I'm going to go back to this psalm a little while, but it's one of the best psalms I've found for when you're tempted to just really focus and meditate on this psalm. So we must recognize the sin in our flesh. We must repent of our sins, and we must focus on God. The next thing that we have to do to get the sin out of our lives flows out of our focus on God. We must meditate on his word. This pastor taught so well last Sunday, if we are to be filled with the spirit, that filling of control, our hearts and minds must be filled with his word. David says in Psalm 119, 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. This couldn't be any clearer. To get the sin out of our lives, we must hide the word of God in our hearts. Having the word hidden in our hearts helps us to see the way of escape we talked about earlier. I believe that having God's word in our heart can and is often the way of escape, escape that he provides for us when we're tempted. As I mentioned, for me personally, I have hidden portions of Psalm 51 in my heart. When temptation comes I can begin to recite verses the ones that I the ones that are my go-to verses are verses 10 through 12 create in me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit what this provides for me personally is a reminder of the context of this chapter of David's sin and, his sub- and the subsequent qu- subsequent consequences that he had. It's also a prayer for the Lord to renew my heart and spirit. It's also a reminder to me that I'm constantly in the presence of God. It's a reminder of the salvation that I claim. And it's a reminder of the joy that comes from a right relationship with him. All of that all of those things that it reminds me of helps for a quick escape from whatever temptation I'm being faced with at that moment. That's just one example that's very personal to me of having, how having God's word hidden in our hearts can help keep us from sinning against him. Again, also, we see how these are all intertwined. A hindrance to living according to the high calling is a lack of Bible study and meditation but that is also the key to removing sin from our lives. Every precept in the Christian life builds upon other precepts. When we build precept on precept, our Christian life improves and we're better able to live according to the high calling. When we fail to follow the precepts, it, has a, it also has a cumulative effect and our life begins to spiral downward at a more and more rapid pace. Either way, there's a snowball effect, either for the good Or not so we must recognize the sin in our flesh we must repent of our sins we must focus on God and we must meditate on his word the next thing to get the sin out of our lives is to commune with God in prayer when we are removing the sin through confessing it to him and repenting of it and by keeping his word in our hearts A natural outflowing is a deeper relationship with him. As we hide his word in our hearts, it becomes part of us and draws us ever closer to him. Through that closeness, we can pour out our hearts to him. We can ask him to continue to show us areas of sin in our lives, which we can then root out. And as we get that sin out of the way, we can continue praying for him to show us further areas that we have yet to see. By keeping in that constant communication with him through prayer, we grow closer to him. The closer we are the more the light of his word and his spirit can shine in our hearts illuminating the areas of sin of which we need to repent if you would turn to Thessalonians chapter 5 we're all familiar with the verse 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. it says pray without ceasing but I want to read it in the context start, and we'll start in verse 16 just before this Paul's talking about the Lord's return and then he continues in verse 16 he says rejoice evermore Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. So he's rejoicing at the thought of the Lord's returning, but is immediately sober. He says, Pray without ceasing. Because the Lord's returning is coming, we must be in a continual communion of spirit in prayer with him prayer should be such a part of our lives that we're praying on a continual basis throughout the day each moment prayer and thanksgiving are linked here and then he jumps to quench not the spirit that quenching of the spirit comes through unrepentant sin so if we're intent on getting the sin out of our lives and are using prayer as part of the process we're going to be very sensitive to the spirit and his work in our lives will be strong in our lives far from being quenched then there's the admonishment to abstain from all appearance of evil if we're truly praying without ceasing and being sensitive to the spirit this is a natural outcome the word that we have hidden in our heart will feed the spirit's prompting when things seem just a little bit off so then we're not only able to root out the sin in our in our lives but also to live In such a way that there's not even an appearance of evil in our lives a true sign that we are indeed living according to the high calling so to get the sin out of our lives we must recognize the sin in our flesh we must repent of our sins we must focus on God We must meditate on his word must commune with him in prayer the last thing I'm gonna focus on in this area of getting sin out of our lives is to cultivate obedience in our lives if we're going to root something out, it must be replaced with something else. And in this case, if we're intent on rooting out the sin that hinders us from living according to the high calling, we must replace the disobedience of sin with obedience to God. Amen. I like the word cultivate here, because obedience is something that must be cultivated. It has to be tended to, worked on continually. Isaiah 31, 30, 21 says... And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. And Jeremiah 7:23. But this thing I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. And walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. In these two verses, God is speaking to his people and to us to walk in his way. He shows us the way and commands us to walk in in that way in obedience in Jeremiah he talks about the rewards of walking in obedience instead of sin that it may be well unto you walking in and cultivating a spirit of obedience in our lives leads to a blessing and a wellness in our souls first Peter 1 uh, 21 and 22 who by him do to believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Here we see the results of obedience, the purification of our soul and heart, leading to a genuine love of our brothers and sisters in Christ as a result of our cultivation of a spirit of obedience our desire to get the sin out of our lives we're becoming more and more pure through the spirit's leading and again we see how these things are all intertwined another hindrance to our lives according to, another hindrance to living according to the high calling was a lack of fellowship with other believers but by getting the sin out of our lives by cultivating a spirit of obedience the way becomes clear to love one another with a pure heart fervently I'm gonna close here today for today I think the next section would take way too long so we saw the interrelation between the hindrances of living according to the high calling how getting sin out of our lives improves our meditation our prayer our fellowship with other believers we learn from God's word that in order to root the sin out of our lives we need to recognize the sin in our flesh we must repent of our sins We must focus on and be fixed on God. We must meditate on His Word. We must commune with Him in prayer. And we must cultivate obedience in our lives. If we can purpose to do these things, the biggest obstacle to to walking according to the high calling, sin will be rooted out of our lives. We also need to remember this is a process, a continual working to greater and greater holiness by being filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.